That is a classic. Yeah, so far. Chris Kattan. That is literally the finest film that Chris Kattan has ever made. And that's a huge, that's like a huge thing to say. I know, I mean, Corky Romano. Check. You guys want some cookies? <laughs> <laughs> Should we be doing Corky that's, Romano at some that's, point? That's the shit. That what was the full title of Corky Romano? Uh, it was like Corky Romano, Italian attorney at law, or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what want to get started yeah we're jumping right into this huh i think we're jumping right into this you got your blueberry truly yeah i got a blueberry truly it's the it's a power move <laughs> is that a power move i think <laughs> blueberry is far and away the worst flavor <laughs> what would you say the best flavor of truly is dan grapefruit grapefruit i mean yeah i also like what was the one that's like very berry or like mixed berry or something um i'm not a huge fan of that i believe cat's a fan of that okay wow I, uh, I feel like I've, I've run the whole gamut of hard seltzers at this point. I've now, I've now moved on to exploring the craft hard seltzers. You've ran the uh, seltzer gamut? Yeah. Um, what is a good craft seltzer? Um, well, now that we're in this situation, I won't remember the name. Seltzer Pod! Yeah. Um, if I texted her, she'd tell me the name of it. There's one that, so all these have like malt liquor or whatever, uh-huh. and there's like one that's like literally vodka and juice for the flavoring. Mm-hmm. And it is fire. That sounds a little more high tech than what I'm rolling with. Yeah, I'm rolling with sure. basically a forty with an air freshener in it. That's kind of what, <laughs> yeah, that's kind yeah, of what I'm literally. drinking. Yeah, um, you're drinking carbonated potpourri. <laughs> uh, Whereas I'm here with my nice sugar-free, yeah, what grape is that? Rockstar energy drink. That's like something one of my coworkers would drink before operating a forklift. Yeah, well, you should have seen me. Uh, literally falling asleep, sitting in park in traffic on the Schuylkill on the way to get here. One of my coworkers would say that that is the fruit for the day. Of, yeah, of, of their um, consumption. that's hilarious. I'm going to mix it with my promethazine later. <laughs> Shout out to all you promethazine yeah. heads out there. Leaning. Um, welcome so, to Leancast. Welcome to Leancast <laughs> slash Seltzercast. Um, I am uh, Dan Enden. Yeah, yeah, you are. And we... Uh, are back again. I feel like um, as long as we don't stick to a regular schedule, that enables us to say we're back every time. So we yeah. are fucking back. We, Dan and I sat there for like 45 minutes several weeks ago and worked out and plotted out. We didn't work out. We weren't the, working yeah, out. Yeah, we, we mapped out the entire <laughs> next series, like episodes for this season. Yes. How the season would end. Yes. And then figured out next clever season. ways to parallel individual episodes next season and i was like man this is this is getting really professional yeah and then that was three weeks ago yeah in that time we changed movies completely (laughs) and um did not end the season um much as with like my early writing attempts when i was younger when when you plan something out so far ahead of time sometimes that 
all the juice you had to do that project is um, yeah. uh, secreted during the brainstorming yeah, process. Yeah, right. So yeah. I think we needed a break from thinking up all the genius ideas we have coming next. Um, I don't think at this age I have it in me to be excited for something for more than a day. Yeah, so like all the ideas we came up with seem really sour now. You yeah, know? we're gonna have like to really turn this one on its head. When I'm constantly buying tickets like at 10 a.m. on presale, <laughs> and then like the day the concert comes up, I just want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why did I uh, make, like? Why did I think that future me was gonna want to leave on a Tuesday to go to a concert? I lived in upstate New York for a really long time, and one of the disadvantages of living in upstate New York is nobody fucking plays music up there. Like, yeah. not the people that I want to see, not the bands that I want to see. Things I like are typically poppy, like indie rock like electronic indie and these are things that just never reached up there so when i moved to philadelphia i i got overzealous and like it, this samples uh this summer is a perfect example of how i overstretched my means like by a thousand fucking miles i bought so many concert tickets and then it was like every time one would come up would be like fuck yeah, like yeah. <laughs> like oh man this is a tuesday night like yeah what made us think that we were going to be able to go to a concert on a tuesday night i'm not sure i know but... So that, that was when you were in college? No, that was this summer. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I moved from Ithaca to Philadelphia oh, a couple years yeah, ago, yeah, and yeah. Ever, ever since yeah. then, when I see things are coming up, I'm like, oh, Tim and Eric at the Fillmore, I have to go to that. Yeah. Oh, how did this get made? I have to go to that. Oh, yeah. Future Islands at the Dell, I have to go. Like, everything that comes up, it's like stuff that, like, I it's in some cases that I don't even listen to I anymore. Know. I'm like, oh, this relates to me. I should go, because when I lived in Ithaca, nothing related yeah. to me. So I, I, I learned a, a valuable uh, lesson this summer, and that's... I should see more bad movies instead of yeah. see more good concerts. It's very easy to do that in this city. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the Movie Blues Did podcast. Did you just look it up to see what episode it was? No, no, no. Yeah. I was just checking to make sure, you know, <clears throat> checking in with my producer that all of our levels are satisfactory. Is it only 11? I thought we were at 12. Um, this feels like 11, so I'm going to run with it. I think originally we scheduled for 13, and then the network cut us down to 12. So I think yeah. that's currently where we're at. Yeah, it um, went poorly. It sweeps. Today is our Midsummer Chucky Nights Dan episode where we will be either finding a better pun for the title or just re uh, simply reviewing two films and had, those films Had you are... said that to me already ahead of time? Did you say that phrase to me previously? I don't know, and I did just I? totally ignored it because that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad this is fresh for you because I thought this was going to be a major eye roll moment. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, I just want to let I, you know, like, yeah. you you know, you have had huge setups in this show too and it's usually like, oh, Dan Dan Noodles or something. That was like the hardest fucking thing I've ever said in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot say what I just said again back to me. There's no way. A midsummer night. What was it? Huh? <laughs> it was uh, a the key. The key is splitting midsummer yeah, and yeah, night. Yeah, a midsummer, midsummer Chucky, Chucky, Chucky Nights, Nights Dan. Dan. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on. Right. Um, but today we are going to review two films. Um, we are going to review Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, which is called Midsummer, which I will be trying to pronounce correctly the entire time. Yeah, I, I, I'm at the point where I just call it Midsummer. Fair enough. So we will be half getting this right the entire yeah. episode. And then we will be watching or speaking about how we watched, in my case, like one hour ago, um, Child's Play, uh, the new reboot of a 14,000 film franchise that no one likes anyway, and now we're doing it again. You just watched... Whoa, hold on. <laughs> First of all, to say no one There's likes... There's a lot of fallacies in there. I know. Yeah. You, you've got to catch up a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, let's, let's put it You're this way. You're sitting next to one person um, who's a giant fan of the Child's Play Today series. is going to be a day of extreme dualities in terms of the Movie Blues podcast. Um, yeah. Most of the time, it's like we both think something's terrible, but like... 
It's, but we very it's the rarely, opposite, it goes yeah. rogue. We very rarely have kind of like total um, uh, opposing opinions about the same things that we watch. I think today I want to say that we're both going to think different things. One of us is going to like one movie, one of us is going to like the other. Um, I, In the case of myself, may have a surprising admission about um, both of these movies in terms of uh, me on this show so far. But... Um, yeah, we uh, are going to go in in the horror angle today. Um, both you should of these... play, like, dramatic soap opera music Why in post under that when you say, like, you're like, I have a confession, Oh, basically. I have a confession. No, not, a, not, like, sexy music. Big... I was oh, like, okay, I felt right. like you were, drop, you were dropping, like, you were dropping a bomb. Oh, like, like bum, 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 bomb, bomb, yeah, yeah, exactly. like, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but, like, Latin. Or, like, wow, in the case of Lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. I say bounce that shit like whoa. Yeah, bounce that shit like whoa. This is not a fairy tale. I already know how you like it. Take you to the mall and get you a new outfit. Girl, that shit some child's play. Bounce that shit like whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Heard all of the stories about you, I already know, and I like it. Take you to the mall and get you a new outfit. Girl, that's just some child's play. Bounce that shit like, whoa. Yeah. Bounce that shit like, whoa. Do you care about my notes? I care about your notes because uh, I like to check in on your level of preparation, make sure I'm not running this thing solo. Oh, dog. I got a whole fucking setup. You got a fucking scroll. I got a, I got a whole setup. No, I don't have a scroll, but I have a whole setup where I got my monitor. I got my other fucking monitor. Oh, you're doing dual monitor watches here? Yeah, so I can take notes and still get a full Fuck. Suit. You're like more pro than I am. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, got, I feel like I got that's it. a... I got it. <laughs> don't worry about me. Um, anyway, um... So, we are going to start with Child's Play. How I want to start this off, though, um, is kind of throw the ball into Dan's court, because I would not have wanted to watch this movie if not for your interest in it. So I didn't even you... know that it existed until you told me about it three weeks ago. <laughs> That's fair, too. That my, my knowledge doesn't mean it's my preference, yeah. but, I, um, but I will say that... Um, uh, it was an interesting choice. I mean, I don't really have a connection with the Child's Play movies. Do you have some sort of connection with the Child's Play movies? Yeah, I was. Child's Play 2 was the first ever horror movie I saw. Hmm. Um, it was like the first one I was like allowed to watch. I came downstairs, it was on. I saw something about a doll. I was probably like 7, 8. That'll do it. And my dad was like, uh, I was like, come on. And we watched it. Um, I think it was edited for television, mm-hmm. um, so there was no, like, stab, gratuitous stab scenes. I, I highly doubt those early ones were entirely violent anyway. I mean, especially no, compared to the fucking a, movie I just yeah, watched. Yeah, I mean, it's always just been stabbings in that original yes, series, in the right. first, in the in the OG trilogy. Knifings. Yeah. Stabbings. Yeah, so that was my favorite as a okay. kid. I had a big Chucky doll in my room. As did I. I actually had the, the doll that Chucky was based on. Oh. Um, and that was just a, a doll that I had in my house that had nothing to do with Child's Play. We got it from a rummage sale. Uh, really? And it was called Buddy Doll. Yeah. Um, exact same red hair. When you, the fucking scariest thing about this thing, when it went from laying down to standing up, when you angle it, its eyes would go from closed to open. Yeah, yeah. That was 
harrowing. Pretty mortifying. Yeah. Cool. Um, All right. So, eight out of ten. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so, All right, go ahead. I, uh, I'm, I've followed this series, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the first one. I think the second one's the best one. Hmm. And but I think the third one is great. Is the mom Highly from Seventh Heaven in the second one or just the first one? The same character? I don't it? know who the mom from Seventh Heaven is. You're I'm lost. Sorry. I'm sorry. You're fucking. I know there's that uh, there was the one dude who like bangs kids was the dad in that show, right? Steven something. Well, I don't know if he banged or, or he, like, kids or like had an improprietary relationship with a kid. At I one think point. he did like a half to quarter diddle. I'm not quite sure. All I right. have to look it up. I don't want to speak for him, but he did something bad. Yeah, he got canceled. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I right. mean, he, from what? <laughs> but also... Every yeah. now and then, I see him show up as, like, the flashback, like, dad. Yeah, he's, a, he's flashback dad. That's, that's like, his actual real life. It's like every dad from 90s television. If you want to go like, really it's far... It's like fucking the dad from Boy Meets World showing up as the flashback dad in American History X and dropping the N-word a lot, and I was just fucking <laughs> shook the first time I saw it. I was like, it's Mr. Matthews. A flashback dad can only really go two ways. You know what okay. I mean? You're only ever having a dad flashback if he was a really good dad or yeah. a real bad dropping the N-word. There's never a flashback in a movie that's like, my dad was okay, he got me a soda and took me to baseball practice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess there's, yeah. there's a reason for that. But. Yeah, he was late for my school play, but he did take me to ice cream and make up for it. <laughs> was that the plot of Hook? <laughs> <laughs> that happened in Hook. Yeah. Um, not speaking from experience. So, okay, so you like those early movies. What about the yeah. ones... Have, uh, you seen, a, have you seen the early Yeah, I, I've seen all of them. I've seen the Netflix ones recently. Really? I've seen, seen Curse of, of Chucky. All right, so I've why, seen every single one. Why? Uh, for you talked all sorts of shit on the series right yeah. away. Why have you watched all of them? I, it's just a horror icon. I'll watch anything from okay. you know. If there's if there's a Last Supper of horror icons, yeah. I've seen every movie. I mean, I've seen all. There's like seventeen fucking Hellraiser. I was movies. literally about to ask if you've seen. And they're terrible. They're god awful. They're horrible. And they're based on um, an author and a book series that is one of my favorites of all time. So yeah. it's very painful that they're all terrible. And and that much I mean, like I Chucky. Mean, I mean, I the first the first two Hellraiser movies are good. One is very good. Two yeah, two good. already I, jumps. I, I, I think the two's, shark. two's acceptable. It's, it's acceptable. It's except like I mean, well, Friday Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is the, the best one. The too. problem with number two. Yeah, I said of, it. I said it. I'd say it again. The problem with number two of Hellraiser is that they immediately cling on to the fact that everyone thought the Cenobites are the most interesting part mm-hmm. of it, but mm-hmm. that's not really... Mm-hmm. That would be... That's the same problem... And we're going to bring this up again today. That's the same problem with a lot of these movies that think that the protagonist or the antagonist, whether that's Jason, whether that's whatever, is more interesting than the implications or the drama that that tension can cause. Like... I, I, that this discussion is kind of going on from the Stephen King episode where right. it's like, what is scary, a ghost or thinking there's a ghost around the corner? Well, so that's the the definition, literally, of uh, horror versus terror. Right. Terror, right. terror is the feeling of anticipation leading up to, and the horror is in being confronted with the thing. I would say horror is best diluted down to 10% of a movie, and terror can be 90 of that oh, yeah. percent. Yeah, of course. Um any and that ratio is really tough. Um, we'll get into I, it. It's with not Midsummer. by evidenced by the hundreds of movies that do it like flawlessly. Well, it's 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 tough because it's studios to fuck terror. it up. It's hard. It's here's the thing. If you look at the Conjuring movies, the Conjuring I think is a kind of that universe of movies is a good example of what I kind of don't like. Where it's like, let's focus on the doll. Let's focus on, yeah. the, you know, when really the first Conjuring movie wasn't truly about the mythology of the ghosts. It was about the Warrens. It was about yeah. the family being spooked out. The second one, just like Hellraiser 2, just like all the movies we're talking about here, 
they cling on to, ooh, people like the spooky ghosts. Let's throw a nun in. Let's throw right. all these, like, fiend ghosts like in. It turned into, like, fucking 13 ghosts, it's honestly. First, it's like the first paranormal activity versus every other paranormal activity. Well, I can't say that because I actually really like that series. And, okay. and there are some fantastic entries later. The third one, the one that takes place in the early 90s, that one is fucking terrifying. Really, truly good. That One through three has a lot of good stuff in it. Okay. And as it goes on, it whatever but um yeah i mean in terms of like uh lingering horror series even freddy even jason didn't endure as long as chucky and hellraiser for some reason there's just no i know don I mancini mean, the producer makes the chucky movies and he's just whatever got millions of dollars yeah, and just yeah. wants to make a, a new one every once in a while mm-hmm. um they lost me when they headed into the, like the mtv generation chucky movies where it's like bride like of chucky, bride chucky seed of chucky seed of chucky starts with a shot of chucky themed semen yeah, yeah. Uh, swimming yeah. towards uh an egg seed and... of chucky is the last one i saw i haven't seen curse of chucky or cult of chucky curse was good yeah well and... they brought andy back but good is such a relative term because yeah. so i mean the fuck they're two distinct about series because <laughs> the so first sorry. the first three the child's play movies mm-hmm. are classic 80s horror movies where from bride of chucky forward they became schlock a comedy horror comedy yeah absolutely purposely. like and, and like bride of chucky i think is great but it's it's a totally different yeah, i also vibe. really like jennifer tilly i've always uh, had a big thing for her she's like um laurie petty is that her name? wait who's the actress from chasing amy Joey Lauren Adams. Joey Lauren Adams. With the voice. Same thing with Jennifer Tilly. They're yeah. these, like, chicks. I don't know what the type, the phenotype would be, but, like, God, that voice. They're like, like it's disgusting. <laughs> it's just, dude, it really does it for me. Does it's it? like Harley Quinn, sort of. Not Smith, but, like, the character. You know, it's that, like, high-pitched, New Yorky, yucky. It's like Fran Drescher. I'd bang yeah. Fran Drescher. Not now, but Nanny era. Give me a break. I'll, you can have all the breaks you want. <laughs> as, as long as I don't have to bang Frank Drescher. Um, I did not like any of the Bride of Seed of Curse of was okay. You, you didn't like Bride of Chucky? I, I didn't know. Oh, I no, think it's hilarious. No. I mean, I liked it at the time to an extent, but like... I mean, I haven't watched I just it have years, never, I just no, have I never liked the Chucky series. Never liked and it. And I think Seed of Chucky was weird as fuck, but f- like, fine. I do love Brad Dorif who we'll get into really quick now, who is the voice of the original Chucky, oh, yeah. who is also one of the greatest character actors of all time. I don't know if you've ever like taken time to look up who he is, but if you saw his face, you'd be like, holy shit, I've seen this man in thousands of movies. Um, he is such a creepy... Uh, his best role is Exorcist 3. <laughs> um, okay. uh, he's such... He's an alien resurrection. He's in like a lot of bad schlocky movies, but if you saw him, you'd be like, "Oh my god, yeah. that guy plays the creep in every movie." Yeah. Um, and and he he really carried that series. I think without him, oh, yeah. all those subsequent Chucky movies wouldn't have worked. Kind of like Hellraiser was the same thing, and it went on and on and on. And then eventually they lost Doug Jones. I think it was his name, Doug Jones, who played um, Hellraiser. And then those movies got even worse. It's like, how could you? that was frustrating because if you want to talk about reboots like they had a shot of like okay we'll recast the guy who plays pinhead maybe let's rethink it but no they just made more garbage with just an actor that they could afford better than the right right. so that that is how uh, you know these movies you'd think would head to that same path to see that this has made it back into theaters yeah is fucking astonishing it's an enduring series and they're coming out quite soon with a series Right, the TV series. On sci-fi. That's Don Mancini again. Yeah. So it's going to go back to... 
Don Mancini does not approve of this reboot. Don Mancini does not listen to this podcast, so fuck him. No, relax. That's an American treasure. No. Don Mancini, Italian attorney at law. Yeah. I, I love the... So, you, you, so you've seen all of them. Child's Play 3, the one where he's in the military school. I, I, I don't think remember that, that one at all. Uh, that one is killer. I have, like, no... <laughs> <laughs> that one is killer, dude. Um, I'm, I, I'm a big that. fan. I owned all of them on VHS. I heavily fuck with it. I don't. I did not like the series. There isn't a single Child's Play movie I could point to that I could say I really enjoy, other than the first one. Um, no, the first one's the dude. You gotta no, You gotta re- revisit. They get better. Uh, they get better. The first three gets subsequently better. Um, the second one is incredible. The, fu- the climax a... of the second one, when they're in the fucking is it the machine shop. They're, or yeah, they're in the good guy factory. It is fucking harrowing. <laughs> um, so um, and I like I like the last one because they're in a military school murdering soldiers. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you love it when people of authority get killed. That's like one of your favorite things. Yeah. So I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. That one sounds like a good mash up of Ooh, things that we like. Joan, <laughs> Joan, radar's report. Um, so um, let's get into the two thousand and nineteen version of Child's Play. Um, yeah, which is starring Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky this time. Is that true? Yes. Um, Mark Hamill was the voice. Um, Aubrey Plaza is the mom, and um, the retarded kid from Book Henry is once again in this movie. Kind of, it's like a lookalike. It's yeah. like they couldn't hire yeah. the retarded kid from Book Henry, yeah. so they they subbed this guy in. Hard R. Um, and this movie's a hard R. Thankfully, it could have been a PG thirteen. Like many horror reboots that end up getting a lot of the time with the horror reboots, they're like, yeah, you can do this again in theaters, but you have to make it PG thirteen so that yeah, people can the actually only go and go see. to the mall or fucking tweens. Um, there have been fantastic horror remakes, I think, in the past twenty years, um, and as we know historically, the horror remake is created some of the greatest movies of all time, including like John Carpenter's The Thing, yeah. which is a remake, the, blo- um, the Blob, the Blob from the nineteen eighties is a profoundly awesome movie. Is that what you were going to say next? Absolutely. Nice, yeah. That's my... I love the fucking Blob, The Blob is like... That one is so good. And I think that that... A movie like that The music in that movie just kills. so good. Dude, that movie's amazing. And the effects are fantastic. And just... um, But then you have like... And then Leprechaun back to the hood. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Iced tea. Fast. Um... But um, <laughs> then you have really bad ones, like the Poltergeist remake, which was like the most egregious movie I've ever seen in my life. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, 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 no. That was a good one. That's with What's-Her-Face from 7th Heaven, right? Fantastic. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that at all. Oh, I love that movie. And 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 I want to add that movie actually to the list of, you know, when we were talking about in the last episode, movies that have actually scared you. I saw that movie in theaters. I saw that in um, theaters as well. And my friend and I parked in a field afterwards and were smoking and I became terrified. I was like literally like get me the fuck out of here, yeah. like terrified of my surroundings. So, mm. not a um, fan. That movie had not a really a big effect on me. I actually like kind of all the movies in that series. They did like a prequel. They did those are all okay. You know I like what? those more than most, you know, the child's play movies. You know what like Texas Chainsaw movie I like a whole lot What's is that? the fucking mid nineties one with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. The chaos. Fantastic. Yeah. Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Or was that Jennifer Aniston? No, it's Renee Zellweger. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston's in Leprechaun, right? I don't know. She's in Leprechaun One. She's That's in the, she, she's that, in that romantic movie. comedy from fucking 
uh, Noah Baumbach <laughs> that I told you about the other day. Um, yeah. Uh, so Dude, that movie is insane. That's another movie I saw in elementary school and definitely should not have. What's that? The Matthew McConaughey Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. That was a movie that movie's like, so like nihilistic. When you're a kid and you see like horror movies that have a really twisted sense of humor, when you're a yeah. kid, you don't really understand that. Yeah. So to you, it's like, what is wrong with the people that yeah. made this? Like, are the people who made this actually crazy? Crazy. It was yeah. like that '90s like visual style it wasn't where everything scary, is like. It was just so was, gross yeah. and weird and just uncomfortable and. It was like that, like where everything's like kind of like lit up green and purple, like that yeah. '90s shit, like the mask or like Tank Girl or like just together. like. I think Dennis Hopper was in that movie, or no? This is a Maybe. different. Maybe we're getting off know. the rails here. Um, not really. We're talking about we're talking horror. Well, that's a sequel, not a remake. That's but, true. Um, I mean, it's certainly not in the same vibe as any of the previous entries. So I guess let's find out if this was a successful reboot, a successful reimagining, redo. Uh, I thought we were gonna talk about reboot reboots for longer. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Is that what you uh, wanted to talk about? Because no, good ones. Like, no, thank I, I think you. Halloween two thousand seven was great. I would say it was good. Yeah. Great. All right, now let's move on. Is there any more? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, there's fucking like no, House on Haunted Hill was a, re- a fucking remake. Yeah, that was like, I would say reimagining. Yeah. I mean, aren't all of these? There's very, I don't know. There's don't no know. similarities well, then there's, then there's between the, the movie we watched today and Child's Play 1, besides the fact that there's a character named Andy and a Chucky doll. Right. Um, I wanted to say that this time around they were referencing Toy Story with the name Andy, though. Yeah, sure. Just think about it as a live-action movie of when one of his toys finally gains consciousness and goes after his family. Yeah. And kills an old black lady. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler. Hi, are you my best buddy? I think Chucky did something. Andy, if you know something, you better tell me. Something's wrong with Chucky. Chucky is a toy. Did you do this? He's trying to kill us! (laughs) See how much fun we have? Child's Play, rated R, June 21st. Alright, so let's get into 2019's Child's Play. Um, I, uh, um, well, why don't we start with some of the elements, Okay. okay? What did you think about the design of Chucky this time around? How about, let's talk about not only the design, the conceit. And design because the conceit this time around, uh, whereas none of these movies have particularly had a conceit, but this one is that it's kind of like an episode of Black Mirror where Chucky, instead of being possessed by the soul of a serial killer, yeah. is a out of control like Alexa gone yeah. fucking bananas. Um, and I think that that is a cool idea kind of on paper, but the execution makes no sense for a lot of reasons. So I, I liked the Black Mirror-esque commentary that they were going for. Which, by the way, and, which, by the way, is only the first 45 seconds of the fucking movie. Right. And then after so, that, it's just, you may as well have been, uh, well, it may as well be a There were all an awful lot of moments that harked back to the interconnectivity of all of our different devices that I really liked. I just thought the way that they got there in the beginning was absurd. So I'm just going to read this note that I wrote, one okay. of my four notes on the movie. Oh, okay. So when you said you came prepared with notes. All right, I lied. It's it's ten notes. <laughs> okay. All right, so... Um, okay, note number two. Dot, 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 dot. Did a rogue Chinese man just delete all of the dolls 
quote-unquote violence inhibitors to create this thing (laughs) i I couldn't tell uh if if i feel like the copy that i sent you of this movie didn't have subtitles because like in that first minute where he's like yelling at the computer and like yeah yeah felt almost like i was missing something did you feel that way or no okay you just kind of inferred he's just mad and just no 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 i'll turn off all the turn off all the no his didn't know he would he was working on the thing and his boss came over and fucking just like treated him like pure shit right and like totally belittled him and like as revenge because he was so dude so the implication is it's a chinese sweats sweatshop yeah because he fucking he's like you know what fuck this company he does all this shit to make the doll malfunction right and then proceeds to kill himself by jumping out a window yes um but first off the best they could come up so like first i was pissed as fuck because like, that's not that's not <laughs> the, that's not the so it's not the origin of this franchise at all so Nor right is away, it even close so in the original there's a serial killer voodoo master named charles lee ray who uses some voodoo to put his soul into the chucky doll so as to avoid getting arrested right but i think the general conceit is that <laughs> he just, he has X just that sentence no, is so he, hard to swallow. He has X amount of time to transfer his soul into another human, or he gets stuck as the doll forever. Right, right. And the only person who could accept his soul is the first person he told his secret to, right. which is Andy. Which is a child. Who received the gift. Right. So the whole series is following Andy throughout his entire life. Sometimes. Like, by the, by the fucking third movie, he's followed him into college. Right. Just trying, because he needs to get into his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, he so, needs to get in that boy's hole. By contrast, in the reboot of Chucky, <laughs> it's a it's a malfunction. <laughs> it's literally just it's a Chinese man. In some a data changed in the chip for this doll. So uh, that yeah. who as retribution to his bosses literally turns off. Did you see those words? He shut down the violence inhibitors yeah he pressed like violence was like not checked and he checked violence and then exited see, no no it's an inhibitor Vi- it was checked off he unchecked it <laughs> which means when they built this thing that is supposed to be a little human-like assistant they programmed of a, a violence entity in it that right. needed to turn they put on... it in in the first place yeah so why what? was there ever gonna need to be an option to turn off the violence inhibitor oh god um, so there's no human element of this Chucky doll. No, it is just a thing that has been programmed by by a suicidal Chinese man. He but but like but he, someone put that in there beforehand. Yeah, he and didn't then he design just the chip. It. No, he like he just it. he's the one who sets this the is like to say that, that it, means it, it, that there's a million millions of these dolls yeah. worldwide. Each of these guys are programming them. And, like, making sure they're good. They're installing their chip because it's a sweatshop. They're at the chip assembly line. Any one of those dolls, anyone could just turn off the violence inhibitor at any moment. Right. And it, like, it like he, like, jammed his aggression meter up to 100. Like, why do they have these things? Like... He also has, like, the heart of Iron Man. He has, like, a, yeah, he has right, like a glowing right. chest plate like so, Iron Man. <laughs> so this is what happens in the first <laughs> yeah. 25 seconds I, I, I in the movie. I can say this much. It's a lot to handle right off the bat. I feel like they were like, you know what? The Chucky movies are not about how we got here. Right. They're about the just they're about the a doll killing thing. absurdness of the premise. I I thought yeah I thought this was kind of like a, a decision made by a committee 
where it was like this movie studio was like, you can make this stupid fucking movie again. But it's going to be like for, Black Mirror. Yeah, but for Christ's sakes, don't do it about a voodoo serial killer. That's such like a 90s retarded I, idea that like, makes no sense. I know. It's I like, mean, and it works it, for those movies, but right. let's not drag that nonsense. It only looks when the movie looks like The Crow. But but like it's disappointing in the sense that like that would be like if they redid Friday the 13th and it started with like a disgruntled Walmart employee yeah, who then right, just like walked right, into the woods and, right. and found a hockey mask like in the garbage can. It yeah. just doesn't work like yeah. that. Like, but uh, okay. So I got past that. What, what what bothered me about the setup and the Black Mirror thing was that you have this high tech crazy idea, um, and you have this AI that's strong enough to do these things, and you put it in the body of like a ginger pedophile <laughs> doll who's wearing like an outfit literally from the nineteen seventies. Because like the the buddy dolls from the seventies and eighties, yeah. it had these overalls, had this very seventies box that it came in, and uh, to the letter, they kept all these things for this movie. It's in the '70s looking box. It's like an expensive piece of technology being shipped in a cardboard yeah, box. I like, it it I, doesn't work. Yeah, it does not make sense. And for him to look the way he does, which ranges from morbid to harrowing, and not in like the way they intended, where it's like, ooh, he's spooky. It's like somebody. Uh, you remember when you booted up um, Mario '64 and you could drag Mario's face? Yeah, in like rubber yeah, yeah, positions. Yeah. The whole movie was kind of like just this Chucky doll making like rubber faces over yeah. and over again. Almost none of which were actually suspenseful or scary looking. They were just they just looked like at just wrong. It just like didn't yeah. look right. Like it, the original Child's Play. Like I feel that the original design is like a, a classic, just like perfect design because the eyes are just so fucking weird on it. But then when he's like being animatronic and talking and it's oh got like the yeah. voice, like he's like. And the old one, his mouth is like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like rippling. Yeah, like his lips can are see, rippling. Like, the, anger, the anger and emotion in the doll. Yeah, you're, like, like, you're like, this doll, I get why it's going to stab the shit out of this person. In this yeah. one, it's just like, this is it's like, like a, a malfunctioning doll. Like, yeah, it's just like a malfunctioning toy, yeah. really, in this one. Um, that, I mean, that's literally what it is. It's a malfunctioning toy. The other part of the setup that really rubbed me the wrong way, not so much with the doll, but like in terms of things, like you were just saying, that they breeze through and it's like, holy shit, is that really what, how we're doing this? Yeah. The way that Aubrey Plaza gets the buddy doll for her son as a gift is by <laughs> blackmailing her boss, Wes, by threatening to an expo- expose an affair that he had with Susan yeah. at a work party to get the buddy doll. Yeah. And then I just have in my notes, uh, Aubrey Plaza is not a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> she's a shit. This, I mean, that at least goes with the theme that we have for all of these movie blues movies where she is a shit parent. Yeah. My, uh, my, shit parent. My third note is Aubrey Plaza appeals to me. Yeah, I have a bunch of notes about Aubrey Plaza, none of which I'll share on air, but uh, <laughs> all of which resulted in all of subsequent which, Google all searches. All of which you shared into your toilet earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, why does Andy have hearing aids? Uh, just so you feel bad for like him. That, that's it's very 2019. Dude, like when that came in, when that became a thing in the in the exposition, I was like, oh, surely later on in this movie, yeah, right. there's going like, to be... He'll control it or, with, the, with the frequency. Yeah, of, or he's going to get like... Chucky's going to use them against him. they just in Quiet Place. That was like the conceit of yeah. the entire movie. But, uh, dude, I was just like, that. The, it, it never matters again. Here are two notes in a row that I have. Okay. Aubrey Plaza is hot and a bad mom. <laughs> Followed by, how is this in theaters, LOL? <laughs> Followed by, Chucky looks like he has a stroke on both sides of his face. <laughs> you are my buddy. 
until the end. More than a buddy, you're my best friend. I love you more than you will ever know. I will never let you go. Um, so Aubrey Plaza gets the doll for her son. Um, you know, things start going like a little bit south. Um, what I thought was interesting about this movie is that not only do you have the conceit that it's a piece of technology and blah, 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 and the Black Mirror thing, but also that really what the movie was kind of about. It was kind of like an allegory for like when you're a little kid and your parents make you play with the retarded kid down the street and like he gets everything wrong and you, but you still have to take care of him and it's like oh my mom said i have to watch after him that was like the first half of the movie is this kid excusing the behavior of this chucky doll like, and be and but at the same time like gaining this really rich emotional relationship with the chucky doll wherein well, so wherein even after chucky has done his first murder yeah. in the film the kid is still defending right. the fucking doll and covering things up for him it's like so, dude it's not your best friend that's like, the first like big thing that they breeze through is like in passing Aubrey Plaza mentions like god I really wish he had friends he just has like no friends like they're like oh the kid has no friends so then when he gets the Chucky doll he becomes like best friends with it like and very like sexually. yeah yeah like, like a lot yeah yeah like it was like a father-daughter relationship in this podcast yeah surely <laughs> <laughs> um and and then the whole movie even up through the climax is predicated on the fact that this kid is friends with the doll and wants to defend him and, but, and it even leads to moments where he's crying and, and right. crying about the the welfare of this fucking psychotic right. vacuum cleaner that's killing his entire family well, so the interesting thing and i did like this plot device is that the good guy dolls are supposed to be like your home assistant like a little robot basically that does whatever you want they scan your face when you turn it on and they become like attached to you it's like right. you're a fucking like slave basically right um but it's like supposed to be like your your kid's friend so, he, the, um, we have this Chinese tampered with good guy doll scans Andy and becomes obsessed with him. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is that he's so dedicated to Andy that he just, it starts that Chucky starts killing things because he's killing anything that he perceives right. is like and that was harming an Andy. And I thought that was, I, I thought that was genuinely interesting. Yeah. I was Because like, it gave a motive. Right. Which something none of these movies have had. The only right. motive is the serial killer inside the doll wants to transfer into a body. And on and on forever with that. Seven fucking movies or right. however in a row. This had an interesting conceit, yeah. a conceit in the sense that, yeah, Andy, this this doll will kill for his own. Right. I mean, that right. was cool. That Andy's made not his connection. fucking enemy the whole time. Andy starts, it's like... He, Chucky's killing because he loves Andy. Like, so it starts like Andy's cat like hisses at him. And then yeah. like a few scenes, like it like pisses Chucky off. And, and then like, he, okay. and then Andy comes in and he, the fuck, Chucky's strangling the fucking cat yeah. to death. Like, I love that straight, scene. Straight, I was like, rock hard during that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, kill it. So then like he also has like his mom, Aubrey Plaza, his mom has like a boyfriend that's kind of a dick. Okay, the boyfriend, right? Okay, so in lots of movies, as any human being would know, uh, there's a scenario where the, the kid's got a single mom, and the mom's trying the best she can, she's got a boyfriend who's kind of an asshole. She starts dating this guy in this movie, right? Uh, the kid comes home and is like, oh, like, oh, this this is like your new boyfriend? Like, oh, I've seen him before. And she's like, yeah, you know, we used to hang out, now we're hanging out again. Yeah. 
one fucking scene later, yeah. this guy is acting yeah. like Andy's fucking dad. Yeah. He's like, clean your fucking room, do your homework. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this he guy fucking slams him across the room. This like. guy has no. He's totally out of his depth. First of all. He looks like a 40-year-old sex predator. Yeah, he does not look yeah. like anyone that would ever end up with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, they call that the uh, the Seth Rogen effect. Yeah, but this was like, this was like, you'd know this guy was a serial killer if you had your eyes closed. I mean, the guy was obviously like a predatory asshole. Yeah, he was like, a total dick. And he's like, it was like a, a very anachronistic, like he seemed like he was from another time. I know. A much know. more abusive time. Yeah. Where and, like kids like, are like, go play outside, faggot. Like, like, Aubrey <laughs> Plaza is just like that fucking typical, just like useless fucking mom where yeah. like, like the the dad like bullies the shit out of the kid at one point right. and like throws him across the room and is like say something to my face bitch and he's it's like yeah I thought so you little pussy like, <laughs> it was like and then the next scene is like Aubrey Plaza like casually talking to him in the hallway like hey like it's really not nice <laughs> like like then there's no reason why she needs to be dating this guy yeah, right? right he doesn't seem like he's really providing yeah, anything to the situation at all so so like he's throws Andy across the room and Chucky sees it and in that moment oh, it's that like it. you're like Chucky's gonna fuck this guy up and this is and like, then the movie gets yeah. awesome this and is hilarious. like when Chucky kind of snaps yeah. um, and it's interesting he's completely demented because again like the original Chucky he's demented the whole time he's the serial killer the whole yeah. time this there is a good tension that leads yeah. up to Chucky breaking down and yeah. deciding it's time there's to kill a it. character arc for this doll there is movie. and there is for the kid and I'd say there is for the mom but I'm not sure what she learned yeah. <laughs> really so, other than she's a bad mom so I, like I texted you when I first started it because the whole like the, the prem- setup. premise happened yeah and I was just like I fucking hate this mm-hmm. like and I did not tell you that by the end of it I did not hate this movie at all right and um I just to throw my cards down on the table okay we'll say that I also enjoyed this movie nice and I would also say that this is I would say my favorite in the Child's Play series, besides the original, barring rewatching that, I which I will not do, but um, nor will I watch any of these movies again. But yeah. I had a good time with this movie. Yeah. I was entertained. It was shot very well. It was shot well. It was photographed really nicely. It had some dark, really. I mean, everything looked like if you watch the last Chucky movie, the one straight to Netflix, Curse. Yeah. That looks like a soap opera set. Okay. And and I felt the budget was was dealt with well. Other than I would say. The thing that was lacking the most in that department was just the effects on the doll were just... Yeah, when you saw his weird. face and you saw him speaking, it yeah. just looked fucking so dumb. Yeah, um, and it wasn't scary and it was stupid. But when he became evil and was stalking in the shadows, or they yeah. kind of shot him more tastefully, and I couldn't tell. And I guess this is a credit to the movie. I could not tell if he was fully CG or if his mouth was really just the CG element. Um, I know a lot of the time his face and and his whole body would be CG, but I'm wondering if there was a stand-in, if there was an actual no, doll for there. sure there was a doll. Um, because a lot of the time, I mean, every time his face moved, that was digital. Yeah. Um, but I think that there was probably a stand-in for this and that. I mean, just the doll effects were shitty. What made up for that were the kills. Yeah, the kills right. were massive I think and this, disgusting. this movie was like such a perfect blend of these new horror reboots always want to like separate themselves from the original in terms of like tone and just like the yeah. way the way they're approached and look and this one so it was totally different they changed the plot entirely which usually i hate but like yeah i was i, I, was, I forgave it i i ended up forgiving it and it still managed to while presenting that tone all of a sudden turn into like classic 80s like campy horror in terms of like yeah 
the way the kills, the people ended up in situations where they would be killed, but then with, like, a 2019 budget for, like, the grotesqueness of the kills. And also, shout out to the fact that this is a movie that was entertaining, edgy, interesting at times, and also had a line where Mark Hamill as a doll said, this is for Tupac, as he killed someone. Yeah. So, yeah. that pretty much knocked it out of the park yeah. for me. That Dude, did that, that whole fucking scene. How they in. set up the this is for Tupac yeah. joke 40 minutes before, yeah. and then paid it off. Like That made me think, oh, someone actually thought right. of something yeah. while they were writing this movie. And it wasn't like, entirely it's like generated. After, it's like after the grotesque kill, too. And yeah. then he just like, they don't harp on it either to like try to get the laugh that hard. Yeah. They don't like drive it's it home. Not like it was the end like, of a it would cut Tunes away episode. like right away. I was yeah. like, all right, that's like comedic um, timing. One, and then the, the fucking, he kills the guy, like that dude in the fucking watermelon patch, the white dude. And then oh the, the black cop is like, he's like, oh, dead white man in a watermelon patch. Poetic justice. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that joke was so bad. Um, and this, that extremely racist joke leads me to another amazing revelation I had about this movie. I actually enjoyed the ethnic characters in this movie and was yeah. not like, didn't feel like they were shoehorned in or anything yeah. like that. This, the, one of the main characters in the movie is a black cop who lives down the hallway from Aubrey Plaza with his mother. And he's hilarious. And he's good. He's hilarious. He's an interesting his guy. His is killer. I kind of was hoping he would end up with Aubrey Plaza. I yeah. thought that's what that's they That's what were I thought they were setting to. up. Um, the fact that he didn't was bizarre. And I almost thought they killed him at one point and was like, oh my God, why well, did they just kill they him? They made you think that they killed him. Yeah, but it wasn't like done really well. Yeah. It, it was kind of like Godzilla 2014 where you see something literally fatal happen to someone yeah. and then in the next scene they're on a gurney like, I'll be okay. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Will you just got hit in the, like, the throat with a drone. Yeah, And just like the, the whole thing, the interaction with that family, like he's a cop, but like, Andy to, to so Chucky has a gift after killing his stepdad, fucking cuts his face off and puts it around a watermelon to yeah. give to and Andy. puts it in Andy's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy like, turns around, he walks out of the room and passes it and is like, okay, bye. And then <laughs> and then does a double take and comes back and realizes his like stepdad's face yeah, on, on a watermelon water. with so, the eyeballs still in. Yeah. So oh, then, dude, that was so awesome. So then to get rid of the evidence, he wraps it up in wrapping paper and gives it to his neighbor. Dude, that, okay, that was, like, really stupid. I don't even want to go into that. It was so, like, and it was so, and for table. a week, first of all, yeah, for yeah, a week, decompose it all. Uh, for a week, this this head inside of wrapping paper it's sitting is, on their mantle is sitting piece. on the mantle of this black family's house <laughs> down the hallway. And, you know, through plot, through plot. One of which is a police officer investigating yes. the murder of the guy who's facing. Cannot detect that there's a fucking head uh, rotting in their house. Um, but I, again, I forgave it. Um, and, and the thing that this movie did, you alluded to earlier, I think the best part of this movie, where you see the conceit of the movie and the Black Mirror stuff and everything pay off and hit that 80s vibe that I was looking for. Yeah is at the end of the movie, a situation kind of plays out without spoiling the whole fucking thing. A situation plays out where a store full of people yeah. is attacked by a numerous amount of toys, drones, yeah. sharp objects, and things all being like, controlled all like by Amazon Chucky. like brand integrated. Yes. Fucking. It was kind of like um, we mentioned uh, in the Stephen King episode, he made this movie... Um, maximum overdrive where everything all objects start attacking their owners and microwaves and toasters yeah. and blah 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 and had that zany and it was super gory and it was shot with like great colors yeah. and, and it gave this feeling of mayhem the first thing it reminded me of was gremlins 
um, yeah, in Gremlins yeah. where there's like You've a store and everyone's getting yeah. attacked and there's mayhem everywhere yeah. and it's funny but it's gross and and they hit that vibe well and I and, think and they brought up fucking like self-driving cars being like yeah that was like, a good scene too there's a good self-driving car yeah. gag yeah, scene yeah they were they were um, hitting everything so they used the idea of him being a smart toy a few times again um, and and it caused some great mayhem and and for a minute I was thinking you know this is one of the rare reboots where you don't have, like you said, uh, the rules of Chucky are he runs around with a knife. Yeah. And in this, he was killing tons of people. Wasn't always with the knife. He was m- standing he there was causing up mayhem. some fucking Jigsaw-esque fucking yeah, it was tor- kind of, torture oh, murders. Yeah, there's, there's like a scene with a circular saw. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that scene in general. Okay. Because um, that character... <laughs> that character is when I start is, realizing this is a good movie. This is fucking absurd. Yeah. He's just like the building, like, He's handyman. the super. He's yeah. the super. Yeah. And, like, and they, has a dungeon. You know, for, like, the first, like, <laughs> hour... They just keep showing that guy, like, fixing vending machines, but, like, he's not related. I'm like, man, they keep showing this guy. Something's gonna happen with this fucking guy. And then you find out that in his basement, um, he has a completely decked out... I forget what the name of the brand, the fake Amazon brand that they use in this movie is, so I'm just gonna call it Amazon. So he has this complete... He he's so broke. He's got that, a smart dungeon. Yeah, yeah. He's so broke as the handyman that he picks shit from the trash of their building right. to try to refurbish himself to sell on eBay. Yes. And they they make a whole deal throughout this entire movie about how the 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 Buddy Doll Two is coming out the following week. So the current Chucky brand is totally obsolete, not worth anything. So this guy, this handyman, is so broke that he's putting the time and labor into refurbishing a Chucky doll that he pulled out of the trash that's to sell on eBay that's valueless. Yet he has an entire smart dungeon with every integrated fucking thermostat, TVs, everything. He also has security cameras in every tenant's room that he's watching on a large screen, like full screen. He has a closed circuit television set up so that he can watch like Aubrey Plaza Plaza, take a shower. Which was meta because I was also watching Aubrey Plaza take a shower at the same time and probably felt the same that guy did. Yeah, you were watching a deep fake on your phone though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. Boston. Yeah, so that guy. You find out he's just, like, this huge piece of shit. And then just, like, immediately are greeted to just, like, this him versus Chucky yeah. fucking just, like... And it was cool. Chucky it, was using the gadgets. He's yeah, using the Alexa. Yeah. He's fucking him up Using his smart saw. house against him, dude. Yeah. He fucking... He, he has the guy suspended over the saw holding onto a fucking a hot pipe. And he uses the smart thermostat to crank the pipe to, like, 200 <laughs> degrees to fucking burn his hands. Like, um, dude... And they buzzsaw his fucking dick off. Yeah, his fucking scrotum gets sawed in half, which was awesome, dude. dude. And the, the scene, Great. The, the one scene, the one kill where he, the guy's fucking skull goes directly into a lawnmower. Like, brutal. Dude. It was brutal. Dude, yeah, I never thought way. I'd Not see... Not in, like, I a never really thought, gross way. I never thought I'd see kills like this in a Chucky movie. Yeah. And that's, was, like, that's just a great service to yeah, this movie. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and I just want to put it out there. I, I think that this is the first movie that we both enjoyed. Yeah. This is it. It finally happened. And who the fuck thought that it would be Child's Play? Now, I want to... You fought tooth and nail against Child's Play. I want to reiterate that this is not a movie that I would buy. This is not a movie that I particularly That's only because you don't own the other ones. (laughs) If you own the other ones... Do I not? I might. If you own the other ones, you would have bought it already on pre-sale. I I wouldn't have, because I I don't own the other ones for a reason, and I did have a good time with this. I just cannot give it a very high rating, but I do want to tell people 
that it was enjoyable and you should watch it and it's fun and it's gory and it's shot really well. And there's going to be a sequel. And there's going to be a sequel? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I didn't hear that. I think so. Um, one thing I want to note before we head off into uh, Midsommar is that, Midsommar. And, and this will be an interesting thing to discuss in a minute or two when we get there, but this film cost $10 million to make. And really? And so did Midsommar. Same budget. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what that says about who and what. But for $10 million, which, by the way, I'm shocked anybody, this movie only cost $10 million. Anybody who isn't a huge fucking dork um, who doesn't know about movie budgets, $10 million is yeah. nothing. What would you have, what would you have expected the budget for this I would today? have said easily 25 Yeah, I was going to say like 45 Like That's a bit much, but, uh, but yeah. Just I mean, for the CG for the scene with the grocery store. Um, I imagine it has a far higher budget than any Chucky movie in the past 10, 15 years. So, um, Particularly because they had like an actual cast, which I was surprised yeah. at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, what is your Golden Gun rating for 2019's Child Play? Child's Play. Touching Childs. Um, I'm gonna give it like a six point nine. Okay. Me too. Wow. Because point one more is getting into dangerous waters for me, as point, you know. Yeah. Um, point one more is where is we get to like movies. thirteen ghosts. <laughs> thirteen ghosts, correct. Yeah. Uh, and House on Haunted is Hill. It, yeah, are both comfortable sevens. Yeah. Actually, House on Haunted Hill, I'd probably give like an eight. Unrateable. Yeah. Chris Catan's in it. It's obviously a classic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we enjoyed that. And I, I don't know if our audience is going to enjoy hearing us not scream at each other or, or talk about how we want to kill ourselves. But we deserve this every once in a I while. Know, you know? know, it's okay to watch. And I, want, I just want to say I watched other movies to try to decide for this episode what we would watch. And fuck, man. I mean, it was painful. So I'm glad we ended what did up you watch? on this one. Just like The Intruder. That period of you time. You did watch that? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Yeah, I finished that one. Was it mental? It is funny. Like, if you and I ever got drunk and wanted to watch something uh, that isn't Rocket Man, it would be a good time. Um, yeah. Uh, and that reference is Dan and I were drunk the other night and watched <laughs> Rocket Man. Um, this is the only time we've ever, like, hung out and watched a movie together. Yeah. And not Dan, for the and Dan picked Rocket Man. <laughs> well, you know, it's like I looked at my hard drive and I was like, okay. I mean, I heard really good things about it. I heard yeah. it was like lots of cocaine, lots of partying and fun stuff. And I yeah. thought it'd be a fun party movie. Yeah. It's more like a fun party movie if you're like at, at Glee Camp. If you're like my mom. Yeah, if you're like at Glee Camp and like you and your 18 friends yeah. uh, who are sexless will need to. I actually left before it ended. Yeah, well, he didn't die of AIDS like in Bohemian Rhapsody, so there's no real twist. Is that um, what happens in Bohemian Rhapsody? Obviously, yes. Okay. Um, all right, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, we two 6.9s. That's, like, the highest fucking rated movie we've had. Like, if you corroborated both scores, that's probably the highest you could yeah. you could hope for on this podcast. Corroborated? Um, aggregated? Aggregated. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of it all in the second, okay? Right. So you save it for your corrections. All right. You'll have plenty. Maybe a big red pen. I I thought you were using some sort of film terminology that I didn't know what it meant. No, I, I am speaking out of my ass most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Baby. Baby. All right. Um, Man, that was anticlimactic. Um, so particularly because you were so fucking sure that you were gonna fucking hate the movie. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and I was so sure that I was gonna be tepid, but like entertained by the movie. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things that just hit me at the right right place. Right. I don't time. know how I feel about the fact though that like. The actual if I were in Chucky, theaters, I don't know if I would have given it such a high yeah. rating. Though. The actual Chucky series is not over, so there's no. currently going to be there's there's other series, there's movie go, series that have if this they problem. if they make more of these, there's going to subsequently be a current Child's Play series, 
as well as more original Chucky yeah. movies coming out. I, I, I want to, I'll bet you right now, a year from now, when we're doing season two and we're at the same episode, there's not going to be no talk still of a sequel to this movie. This seemed like they were like, okay, we made good money, we didn't make amazing money, let's walk away and just say we didn't fuck this up. I don't think there'll be another, but... I don't I, know, it's, I, it got very highly reviewed it got good reviews too. for a horror reboot, which is like, I don't, I don't know. Okay, let's... Looking forward uh, to the series, though. Let's move on, right? I think we're good. Best sci-fi series since Eureka, coming soon. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, people. The next discussion we are going to have is about Midsommar, which is a movie that we've been... Was there just a musical cue? Yeah, it was like... (laughs) Um, uh, Or I'm going to do a remix of Guess Who's Back. Uh, Back again? Back again. Dan is back. Tell your Dan. Dan is back. Dan is... I'm just coming up with this. Da, 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 <laughs> da, 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 um, so, so... Are you going to call it just Midsommar all awkwardly like that every time? Yes. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's, 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 it's a hard A. Um, right. <laughs> so um, this is the follow-up to I, my absolute favorite movie of 2018 without a question whatsoever was Hereditary. Um, and um, I've been dying to see this movie. Dan, I believe, saw it in theaters. Yeah, I was also um, dying to see it. I did not see it in theaters, um, which is interesting because for the past six to eight months, whatever it's been, I've heard a lot of negative things uh, that have kind of prepared me to watch the movie in a certain way. It's been um, half and half, I feel like. The most, yeah, but I mean, this is like... I've never I, seen I'm, a more I'm, divisive movie of people like half well, of everyone exactly, loves but, it. But Hereditary was like, this is like a statement. Yeah. I mean, that blew people's doors off. It blew yeah. my doors off. It's kind of like, um, and I was thinking of lots of comparisons. And we're going to talk a little bit about auteurs when they come out and they make that first great movie. Sometimes the second movie is a different experience. Whether it's better or worse is not really the metric that you I'm mean, going like by. like Book of Henry? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> that was his third movie. Um... And um, it's kind of like from Sixth Sense to Unbreakable, where you have like, and I'm not saying this is as good as Unbreakable, I'm not going into that. I'm saying you have a director that comes out with a very simple, hardcore concept that blows everyone away. It has a big twist in it or something like that. The second movie kind of does the same thing, but with different vibe, different theme, different feels. Um, This had a lot to do with Hereditary. This movie had a lot in common with Hereditary, but just like the second of a lot of, uh, amazing directors who come out they're given a bigger budget they're given more space and they're given the opportunity to make something that could either be more personal or more out there than the first movie because they don't want to get pigeon held into what they did before um this was kind of an example of that whereas like um not as tight of an experience as hereditary you could tell that even by the runtime of two and a half plus hours that he was kind of going off and doing his own thing Before on this one. Before the director's cut. Um, when I hear from other people or from reviews, this movie is long. A thing flips in my head that when I go to watch that movie, that does not bother me. When I see a movie that I don't know is going to be long, 
and it is long, that's when I'm fucked. That was, the, that was the case with me. Right. I knew that this movie was going to be long. And when it comes to auteur filmmaking, uh, P.T. Anderson, people like that, they make movies that stretch to the three-hour limit. I mean, Man. Boogie Nights is two hours and 45 fucking minutes long. And, I mean, again, not saying this is as good as that, but I'm saying that um, I walk into a movie like that or a Scorsese joint or something where I know this movie's going to be three hours long. I casually watch There Will Be Blood and it never feels longer than an hour and right, a half to me. Right, right, right. Um, I was able to watch this movie at home. I was able to take a full hour-long break and eat dinner in the middle of this movie. So my criticisms about it are really not pace-related or anything like that. Um, But uh, I do have a lot to say about this movie. So I'm going to start off by just passing the baton to you, and I want you to tell me what you did not like about this movie. Okay. And then we'll both talk about what we liked, because mine is more of that. Okay. Okay, so why don't you tell me all about how much you fucking hated this work of art? (laughs) Uh, Midsummer. Yeah, I I hated this fucking work of art. You hated this movie? Yeah, I I really hated it. And everyone I went to the theater with hated it. Okay. So starting from the first scene, which is my favorite part of the movie, with all the shit with her parent or his sister. I agree, the setup is abnormally strong it was an incredible first scene with harrowing the slow tension build up the fear of the unknown all the great yes. horror hallmarks and you didn't even know why right. you were scared you, you don't were just know like anything. what the fuck is it's, going on it's just like Agreed. they're treating so ca- it's like a it situ- felt like they picked up right from hereditary in terms of this is horror yeah. like you're fucking scared while grounded in like such a realistic situation of like the like his her boyfriend talking to his friends about like how has like how much he she fucking hassles them it's just like this, like, conflict of just, like, knowing the differences between them and their relationship while, like, this thing with her sister being weird is happening. And then... Let's the, just, the... before you before you go too far, I just want to say to anybody that is totally out of their depth here that this movie is essentially about a couple that has a tumultuous relationship going to Sweden to a festival, folk festival, at this crazy cult retreat where things go wrong. It's kind of like Wicker Man. It's kind of like folksy horror. Yeah. Just so people know what yeah. we're talking about. It's about a couple, uh, the the female of which, Danny. It's Danny and Christian. Danny is kind of the main character of the piece, and it's about her emotional journey through this festival and everything that happens. Yeah. Go ahead. I believe when I got out of the theater and you asked how it was, I referred to it as Wicker Man, a love story. Right. Which is how it was set up. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, to I do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! What time is it? 9 p.m. 
That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. Um, so... That first scene happens when they do the slow burn where you finally find out what actually happened in their house. I'm not going right. to spoil it, but it's like... Very scary. It's like beautiful camera very, movement. Very nightmarish. Yeah, the way it pans through the entire house. Is, right. It was... It, that, it was so shot. dark Woo. and just... I was like, all right, I mean, this is about to be a top-shelf fucking horror movie. Right. And then that scene basically has nothing to do with the entire rest of the fucking movie. I've also heard that same criticism in many reviews. And... The tone has absolutely nothing to do with the tone of the rest of the movie. Right. The only relevance it has is that Dan. We know that Danny experiences grief yeah. throughout. It could have happened. Anything could have happened there. I'll be honest. Yeah. Anything she could. Her dog could have gotten hit by a car. Like I, mean, I, I felt like they rec- they filmed the movie and the studio like focus tested it and groups were like, there was no actual like feelings of like terror scenes in that entire movie. Right. We need to throw in. They need, and the studio was like, "All right, we got to throw in something in the beginning." And they're like, "Or throw in something." Like, where do we put it? Just put it in the beginning because it has nothing to do with the fucking rest of the movie. Right. And it's the strongest part of the entire movie. If the whole movie had followed what that had been setting up, mm-hmm. I would have been on fucking board all along. Sure. So then, there's a whole lot of exposition after that, like an obscene amount of exposition. And about what? Their relationship or the so trip? Or? The relationship, the trip. Yeah, they're setting up. Her relationship with her friends, then them going on the trip and like just like meeting some wacky people. Right. But I believe I looked at my watch and the first time that another even remotely scary thing happened in the movie right. was like 49 minutes later. There's something in horror and in screenwriting called the rule of tens. Okay. Um, mostly every horror film throughout history up until you have people like Ari Aster, the director of this movie, who can do whatever the fuck they want. Something scary, jolting, or dreadful happens every 10 pages. Okay. Um, that's like the golden rule. This movie, yeah, has a very strong start and then launches into, like you just said, half an hour, 40 minutes of 49 setup. minutes. 49 minutes of setup. Um, go ahead. Okay. So, you know. And I just want everybody to know who's listening right now that I've read a ton of reviews that say everything that Dan is saying right now, and I disagree with all of it. That doesn't surprise me. Um, but continue. So, um, there, you know, I'm watching, I'm enjoying the performances, I'm enjoying the character relationships. Right. I'm enjoying it as in a bubble, as its own movie. Right. But in the back, it's two separate. In things. the back of my head, the entire time I'm going, like I, I am here to see a horror movie. 
Like, right. and I want you to keep in mind that that is a huge statement that you were there to see a horror movie. Yeah. Um, whether that is good or bad as a viewer or as viewing this movie is going to be up to what kind of thing you were expecting, what you thought you were walking into, which after hereditary, you're ready to get the shit scared out of you. Yeah. Straight up. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, or at the very least see some really good character relationships. And I thought the male lead in this movie was horrible. Okay. Um, sorry. I know you're listening. Yes. Matt, I, I, man we, from we can refer to him as discount Chris Pratt. That's yeah. what I kept yeah. thinking. He looks a lot like Or him. like he looks like the jock from like not another teen movie. Right. Like just like a fucking generic like just white frat boy dick. Like okay. but like to make him be not like a frat boy dick, they made him so he's working on like his master's thesis or something, but he's still just like a total chode about it the whole time. Right. Completely unlikable. Yes. And then like Correct. his best friend is like secretly, like clearly fucking obsessed with like Danny, like, the Swedish dude. And like he invites all of them on their fucking trip. Like, mm-hmm. his trip home. Come to see my yeah, family. totally just my framing it like, we're going to go do this, like, regular thing. You're right. going to come see Sweden. We're going to go on vacation. They're, they're like, we're going to go and fucking spend 40 minutes using mushroom effects. Right. Um, and fucking then, like, oh, I forgot to mention, I actually live on, like, a cult compound with these fucking ancient fucking rituals that involve, like, like public suicide and right. shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, fucking forcing your guests to impregnate, like, young girls, like... Right. So, like, you know, all that's super weird, still. Thought it was a weird tonal shift an hour into the movie. But still, I'm like, all right, now shit's about to pop off. Mm-hmm. And then there's... So, basically, I'd say there's one horror scene, horror scene, in the entire movie, and I use that super loosely. Like, that fucking... That, uh... That... that I don't know how much I'm supposed to spoil about the movie. That scene where they're on the top of the cliffs. Yeah, the, I mean, there's some shocking moments of violence. Yeah. Not so, a lot. Yeah. If you put it in a YouTube video, it would be, you know, all the scariest parts of Midsommar would be five minutes. Maybe. But, yeah. we, but we have this whole setup where... So it's basically a ritual that they perform, and it has some Swedish name. I don't remember what it's called, but like, let's just call it... They called it the Babushka. Mm-hmm. It's the Babushka event. Mm-hmm. So the one Cheaty from the Good Place, mm-hmm. or yeah, that show the yes. Good Place. Cheaty from the Good Cheaty. Place is one and of. He was good in this. Yeah, he was like it was he, good to see him not playing a dorkosaurus. Yeah, so. he's there to study, um, their culture or whatever yeah. to write a paper. He's also doing his thesis. Yeah, and they mention like, oh, we're gonna wake up. What are we doing tomorrow? And like, oh, we're gonna do the Babushka, event. Right. And Cheaty's like, are you serious? Like a real one? Like he knows what it is because he's like familiar from his research, and like. It's just, like, totally cool with it. Yet then the next day when that happens, and it's, like, the most grotesque scene in the movie, everyone's, like, fully shook and shocked by what's going on. Um, It's totally grotesque, but also it was, like, I felt like it was filmed like a parody of a Kubrick film with how long and drawn out the buildup was with the fucking eerie synths in the background. Like, it was, like... The influence From the time you... The moment you realize what this scene is about to be... Mm-hmm. to the moment where it actually happens is like eight minutes long right of just like fucking silence set up and just like dude it was just the pacing was so fucking languid like just like masturbatory like right and again it, that that calls to once again these auteur filmmakers that have this specific vision sometimes they'll make a movie like pt anderson's the master where the pace is 
so oppressive that I actually want to die watching it. Um, yeah. I did not get that feeling from this movie at all, but I do know that feeling very well. I have experienced some of the great filmmakers of all time. I'll watch one of their movies and be like, holy shit, this is like, the pace is just so masturbatory to use your language for it. It's just like, it's a director that's saying, I don't care about what the audience thinks yeah. of time in, in, in these circumstances. Yeah. I'm going to tell my story Dude, however I want. Yeah, it's, I want you to look at how great I composed and framed this shot. Right. Which, yeah, which uh, I would say this movie is gorgeous. Yeah, it looks great. Top to bottom. And again, comparing it to Child's Play, the $10 million budget would have never guessed that this was a $10 million budget. Um, and this kind of leads into an interesting fact that I'm going to tell you now before you go further into your your review. Just so it'll stick in your brain is something I think is interesting about this movie. Okay. Um, Ari Aster, I listened to and a lot of the information I'm going to have in my review and stuff. I listened to an hour-long interview with him the other day where he was discussing how this movie came to be. I assume that he was like, the studio came to him and was like, here's what, do whatever you want. Here's all the money. Like, Hereditary was so good, do whatever you want. No, didn't he, he just, was like, shooting... get divorced while fucking... Well, like... yes, but he was shooting this movie while Hereditary was barely even out. So he didn't have any freedom in that sense. What had happened was a company from Sweden came to him and said, we want you to... Sh had never seen Hereditary, just read the, the script, and said... We'll give you a huge rebate, which is huge in the filmmaking yeah, world. Yeah. We'll give you a huge rebate if you make a horror movie here and um, make it about this place, basically. Um, which I think this is like kind of shocking because I thought this would surely just come from the top of his head. And he was like, they were like, what would you do with this? You have to make a full car movie in Sweden. And he was like, well, I like you just said, I'm going through not a divorce, but a breakup. And I'll just make a breakup movie. Um, set in the confines of the plot of the Wicker Man, essentially. Um, uh, and yeah, so just, it's an interesting fact to keep in your mind, the fact that, and we'll, I'll get into it when I start my take on this movie, but the horror, and now retroactively looking back at Hereditary, the horror aspects of Ari Aster's work so far are not the point of either of his movies. Um, it was more thinly veiled um, in Hereditary. It was, it was more greatly veiled, actually. It was more horror elements to it so that you could think, uh, oh, I just saw a horror movie. But really, that wasn't what that movie was about. Um, and Ari Aster said in this interview that um, straight, and he was dead honest about it. He said, I want to make movies that are about human character relationships. Um, the only reason I made Hereditary and the only reason I made this movie is I know that they'll let me do more and whatever I want to do if I make it seem like it's a horror movie. He said that I did not intend on for either of these movies to be a horror movie. I wanted to make a story about grief for Hereditary and make a breakup movie in Midsummer. Um, yes, that is disappointing in a way because Hereditary just turned out to be so fucking scary that you're like, what is this horror genius going to do next? Yeah. Then if you go back and look at his shorts and or you listen to him talk about what he wants to make next, it's very apparent that horror is not his genre. He has no interest in it. Um, and, and he shows that in this movie on purpose. Now, in Hereditary... It was kind of like, oh, this is like, kind of like The Exorcist. This is kind of like, kind of like that. This time he wore the influences, I would say, as a fuck you in certain 
circumstances, not even as a callback. Because, like, for example, you have a character who's in a bear suit in this movie at, at one point. Um, and the climax of The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage yeah. is they put him in a bear suit. Yeah. Um, that's not a mistake. Um, and and then I started doing some research and I found out some really fucking crazy things. Um, that there is a movie... Um, I have a note about it here. Listen to this. Now, this is... I don't know what to think about this, honestly. But there's a movie called Midsummer from 2003. It's a psychological horror film written and directed by Swedish name, Swedish name. The story revolves around a group of Danish students, uh, including the protagonist Christian, same character name, yeah, um, who celebrate their graduation in a Swedish, fo- Swedish forest um, where they encounter a supernatural presence seemingly connected to a friend who recently committed suicide. Okay. Um, I just thought that was insane. Like, yeah. I, I think that, I think that the horror thing, it's like a, it's, it's like the drapes that he's putting on stories that he wants to tell. Um, if you see, uh, I mentioned it to you, maybe we'll watch it for the next episode or something. There's a short that he has, um, called there's something about the Johnsons, which is, could be viewed as horror because it is horrifying, but it's really a very subversive sexual abuse story that's like again using the trappings of horror to tell a really perverse weird story i think that the problem with midsummer is that everybody came from hereditary ready to jump into the next horror movie and they didn't realize that the true ari aster seems to be the guy who wants to tell the first 10 minutes of midsummer where you were like holy shit like this is very interesting um that i think is really what he wants to do but he keeps being put in situations where he does the horror thing because it generates so much more interest and allows him to do more. Um, yeah. I just think these are interesting facts. I'm not saying this makes the movie better or yeah, worse. No, I'm just I, saying it's interesting to keep in mind when you're thinking about, you know, is this movie terrible or is it just something I didn't vibe with? I, I feel that there is a very good movie within this movie that could be cut into a movie. Right. Like, yeah. I can see I, how that you could feel. I don't mind if a movie is super long, if it's long for a very good reason. I don't feel this movie, there's any reason. I think this movie could have been literally 45 minutes shorter. Like, I don't think, I think every... If, yeah, I mean, if I, it I'm were a, a big, horror movie. I'm a big... Dude, I'm... You could eliminate most of the horror elements of it and just shorten, like... Is I, I'm, I'm fine with slow movies. I watch mm-hmm. my fucking European movies constantly. Right. Like... I will watch a fucking three-hour movie of just two people going in different scenes talking. Like You'll be tested with this again when you see It Part 2, which is an insanely long movie. Great. Well, I'm reading the fucking book. It's an insanely long book. It's killing me inside. <laughs> Are you enjoying it? I yeah, mean, it's really good. It's still going on. I'm well. at, like, page, like, 350, probably. Um, okay. So, fuck, what was I saying? Oh, about how long it was. Um, I just... I don't feel anything was added by every single time there's like a long drawn out shot where it's like if done properly i'm like oh i love when filmmakers do that to really fucking milk the moment Mm -hmm. it would go like you know not just like a few seconds too long that shot it would go like 12 seconds too long okay where i'm just sitting there like dude like it's so weird you're you're both trying to make a fucking art house film and a film that starts with like a degree of horror that it feels like the fucking grudge. Like, mm-hmm. I just like it, 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 it 
doesn't it, it just doesn't work for me like I, th- I feel like it's two different movies entirely which like you know if he's masking things in this seemingly it is you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. i see where you stand on it i mean all of the problems that you have with it are going to kind of infect the rest of the movie so there's no way out of not enjoying it because and oh. i've been in that oh, place and, and all the shit with them being on mushrooms yeah. was like, I don't feel added anything to anything. And huh. it was just like, the effects were great. It was like the best visual representation I've ever seen of being yeah. on mushrooms. It was but quite I interesting. don't think it added anything to the movie. And I also think for characters that were presented as all being very intelligent, like fucking doctorate and fucking master's thesis mm-hmm. candidates, they are all extremely fucking stupid with like the generic horror version of like super fucked up shit is happening. And they're all being like, oh, I guess that's moderately weird, but I'm totally going to ignore it. Like, there were, it was like, how many times can this, like, person who's presented as a genius be presented with, like, people disappearing? Like, right. girls trying yeah, to... For, f- like, a whole day, like, one of the characters disappears. Yeah, like, it's... And they're like, oh, he must be out with his girlfriend. And then it's like, oh, he went ahead to fucking go to the train station without you. And, mm-hmm. like, his girlfriend's like, that's not a thing he would do. And they're all like, oh, weird, they're fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not like, all right. Like, where did he go? Like, both several of our friends are just missing now. Right. Like, I, dude, I don't know. I, I got, I wanted, I went in expecting so much to like this movie to the degree that I went to the movies for it, which I don't often do, and right. I fucking hated it, dude. That's sad. I got nothing positive out of it. Um, that's brutal. What would you say your Golden Gun rating is for Midsommar? Like, like four out of ten. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, uh, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I'll start like, my review I think, by I saying think I see w- where you're coming from, but yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think it was like I don't want to say it was well made because I think pacing is part of making a movie, but I think it was very skillfully made. Mm-hmm. Like it all looks beautiful, mm-hmm. and the score was great. And aside from I don't the, remember the score at all. It was a lot of. It was very similar to um to um the cannibal movie you made me watch ravenous yeah with these fucking weird like 80s synths yeah i don't remember that um i don't remember any of the music for it was it was very mild but aside from the male lead i thought the performances were great mm-hmm. and um you know i thought some of the effects at the end were awfully fine mm-hmm. but yeah didn't like it okay wow severely disappointing actually um, okay, so I'll, I'll start my, uh, diatribe about it. Um, just raw, rawest reaction humanly possible, um, in terms of, like, walking out of it. Um, I walked out of this one not nearly as elated as I walked out of Hereditary. Um, that's without a doubt. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and make it seem like this was a better experience than that, because it wasn't. Um, however... This movie had a lot of similarities to Hereditary uh, in ways that I found pleasing. Um, One of those similarities is that regardless of how I felt about the movie, which Hereditary, by the way, I thought the first 40 minutes of Hereditary were terribly paced. I I remember literally checking before the big twist in the middle of Hereditary. I was like at checking my watch levels of board. Um, I didn't feel that way this time around. Maybe I was more prepared. You also stopped in the middle. Yeah, but the parts that were probably egging on you didn't start to egg. I stopped it like two thirds of the way into it. But um, regardless, um, 
it's a movie that made me think a lot after the fact and made me do research and think a little more about what I had seen and kind of dug into it. Um, I think if it was a fully bad experience, I wouldn't have done that. Um, uh, through, I would, st- okay. So to, to start at the top, um, starting from the same place that you did, uh, Danny and Christian are introduced. Um, I want to say off the bat that this is one of the most interesting dynamics of a relationship I've ever seen in a movie. Um, I've never seen portrayed a relationship where things are falling apart, but not as a matter of circumstance, not as a matter of you cheated on me or, or, Oh, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. There's no conceit for the reason the relationship was falling apart other than they just weren't really that compatible and that she is a person that needed to be validated emotionally, and he was not willing to do that for her in any way. Neither are his friends, neither are anyone that she runs into in, in the movie. She is emotionally dismissed as a character. Um, and that was an interesting dynamic to see, where you have mostly in a... Look at any horror movie. If you have a bad boyfriend character, look at Child's Play that we just watched yeah. today. The stepdad is literally ridiculous. Is a cartoon character. The relationship between these two characters, I thought, was the centerpiece of the movie. It was the most interesting part. The things that happen in the third act of the movie that are, quote-unquote, the horror elements are an exaggeration of their relationship and the way that it is to be terminated. Um, Down to, really, one of the characters being given a choice over the other character. Um, And that is the, the quintessential idea of a breakup, is when two people separate, it's like you have to decide, are you going to throw this person in the trash? Or are you going to do this the right way? And what did they give you? And what should you give back? And throughout this whole movie, Christian, who I thought he was fantastic, that actor, I didn't see any problem with his performance. He played a aloof, emotionally detached guy who wants to be in a relationship, but can't do the parts of it that you need to do to make it work. Uh, he just wants his cake and to eat it too. He wants to have the girlfriend, but he doesn't want to put any work in and he doesn't want to have to do with her problems and neither do his friends or anyone. What you have later in the movie when she encounters the cult um, and the reason, I don't want to spoil the entire movie, but the reason that you almost sympathize with the cult in some way or another is that they are emotionally receptive to her. When she cries, they all cry next to her at the same time. The mimicry of her emotions by them is showing her, like, these people care about you. And, And I don't think that this was portrayed particularly great, but these people will give you validation. Forget about him. Forget about Christian. Um... And I thought that that was an interesting concept, although not fully explored. It could have been more literal. In a normal horror movie, it would have been extremely literal. Um, What it comes down to is that Ari Aster isn't making normal horror movies. And that this wasn't a movie where the horror elements really were the centerpiece. The centerpiece, to me, from the first ten minutes of the movie until the last ten minutes of the movie, were always the relationship between the two characters. I was more vested in... Was Christian going to cheat on her during this festival? Was she going to decide that, you know, like, it, it, it just, that was the part that was boiling my mind. And I mean, it I felt like, like the like horror the, elements that's... were playing out kind of in the background. And I didn't even really care about them so much. And that scene that you talked about with the cliffs, that's so slow yeah. and blah, blah, blah. I love that scene. I thought that that scene was gorgeous because it showed two people, the people that are 
in this ritual. They've reached the end of their lives. They've spent their whole lives together. Yeah. They go through this ritual and they end their lives together at the same time. Um, that act of passion is more passionate than anything in their relationship. And you see her reaction to watching that happen is not just because she saw something horrifying, but because she is in the relationship that she's in and she sees something that these people are experiencing that her and Christian could never experience. And then they aren't destined to be together. They aren't, he doesn't care about her family tragedy. He doesn't. And I felt like all that came through and I simply could not name another movie, let alone a horror movie where a relationship felt that complex to me. Um, usually relationships and characters in these movies are used as a tentpole to either tell you, you know, what's going to happen next or why something's happening the way it is. This was a movie where things happened that did not affect the rest of the movie. That was just the bottom line. I mean, like you said, the beginning, did it have an effect? I mean, there was that, the grief hanging over the whole situation, but it didn't need to be that way. So that did bother me. I did feel that there were moments of tonal shifts where, I didn't fully get it. Um, it. It set up a tone yeah, for the first 10 minutes of the movie it that, abandoned it that then went to the exact polar opposite. Um, I thought the drug stuff throughout the movie was... Wait, fam- wait, hold on. I want to respond to what you just said real quick about their relationship. Yeah. So I agree entirely with that. During my review, I said, within this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the great movie is a movie that's just about that relationship. Yes, I agree. I could have watched that all day because that was also all I cared about. I felt... yeah. Any horror elements... The horror like, elements were not Where, extreme. like, every now and then in between the deep parts of the relationship, one of the friends wanders off to somewhere he shouldn't be, and then there's, like, yeah. a typical horror scene. Like, I'm just like... Well, they didn't even give you that, typical. though, because because most of it was off-screen. Yeah. Most right. of the deaths were I, fully off-screen. I don't think it, it... It didn't add to the movies having these no. random... Like, I cared about those two characters... <laughs> If, like, if and only, I thought their friends were like interesting characters as well. Some of them, like I, but like, if only the horror elements were stronger and scarier, it would have done like in Hereditary, where it kind of reverse polarizes yeah. what you're watching, and you're like so shocked that, and, and, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Punch Drunk Love. When you think back to a movie like Punch Drunk Love, you're not thinking of. Um, the fact that it was like a, a movie about Adam Sandler um, collecting pudding rebates to go on a free trip to Hawaii. It was morely the feelings that were evoked by the relationship in the movie. That when you watch a movie that has a strong central relationship like that, or a quirky one, or one that covers new ground, it, it evokes a feeling that the plot proceedings don't really... Here's a good example, actually. This is going to blow your fucking mind, but um, going the distance, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter what happened in going the distance. What matters is the back and forth. Yeah. When I think of that movie, I think of, oh, wasn't that interesting? They showed a dynamic to a relationship I haven't seen before in a movie. Um, this movie had that, um, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, when it comes to like the drug use stuff in it, um, I thought that that, while also complemented by the visuals in the movie there was many times in the movie where the trees were moving in the background almost the entire time they're at the ritual they are on drugs and you can tell that from the background plates all moving at the same time apparently people have gone through the movie and have found all these faces that he put in the trees in the background that you can just like hereditary there were people standing in the background of frames and things like that um and i thought that gave an ethereal quality to everything that um 
really, you know, only good movies about drugs like, you know, Fear and Loathing and stuff like that give you that feeling of this is just mayhem. I, I, people aren't acting right. Things aren't seeming right. And I think that, you know, your criticism of characters are acting strange or not how they would act. I mean, the end of this movie is predicated on a decision that most normal people wouldn't make. But I think she makes because literally they pour this liquid down yeah. her throat and they're blowing dust in people's faces. Yeah. And, 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 and they also fucking, <laughs> there was an orgy that she walked in upon. Yeah, and, and, and that scene was part of many scenes in this movie that had the kind of humor that if I saw this movie on Broad Street at the AMC full of people on like opening night, yeah. everyone would be laughing at it, like yeah. not in a good way. Where, people where were that laughing scene, at it in the theater. I mean, that scene is so absurd and I thought it was like really genius. And a lot of the things in this movie reminded me of the recent Suspiria movie. Um by Luca Guardinino, I think that was his name, or that's Vinny Guardinino's last name from Jersey Shore. Luca, <coughs> Luca, something Italian sounding, but he remade Suspiria and it was pizza pie. Pizza pie. The Italian. <laughs> what was his name? Not Deuce Bigelow. I'm trying to think of uh, Corky Romano. Corky Romano. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I um, I thought the drug stuff was cool. I thought that. Um, the end of the movie was just a really interesting, poetic, metaphorical representation of a bad relationship gone wrong. Um, Can I tell you what the absolute scariest moment in this movie was? What's that? The, the one moment that I was like truly chilled to my bone was when after initially deciding that it's not a good idea for her to eat mushrooms... Then out of like that was social so anxiety and social not anxiety wanting to be the only one not to do it, she decides to eat the mushrooms, and I was like, <sighs> I was like, don't do it. That like set the stage though. For I was this like, movie. don't fucking do it. You're, set the stage. Her parents had just died fucking like days earlier. Boy. Yeah, and then she fucking is dealing with this with her boyfriend. Do you know what the scariest part of this movie? And is? she's ate mushrooms. I was like, oh, that's gonna be more terrifying than anything that happens here. The scariest part of the movie for me was. When her parents, very, very early on, it's not a spoiler because you find out her parents are dead, and I won't ruin how, but in the first five or ten minutes, yeah. they're dead. Um, As is her sister. The scariest part of the movie for me was when she called her parents' house. This is like the first 40 seconds of yeah. the movie. Yeah. She called her parents' house to talk to her parents to ask where the sister was, and they show both of the parents in bed next to each yeah. other. And in my mind, I immediately knew her parents are dead. I did looked you? at I, immediately. I did. I looked at it and I thought, "Oh my god, this is such a chilling image of these two people sleeping next to each other. They're dead." I was like, "They're fucking dead." And then the scene went on. All these other things happened, and I was like, "Are we going to talk about the fact that her parents are dead?" And <laughs> it, it came around, and they're dead. And and the parents dying leads me down a road that worked better in Hereditary. It doesn't work so well here, but I'm led down a road of when I watched Hereditary. How far back are these moments being precipitated by the antagonists, right? In Hereditary, they're scouting that family out from the first frame of the movie. Yeah. It isn't doesn't start with the grandma dying. It doesn't start with the girl dying. Things are being planned for the girl to become, you know, the the boy to become the Pazuzu or whatever he becomes. <laughs> um and uh Corky Romano. And um uh yeah, I just was seeing how far things were precipitated in this one. Obviously, the guy that invites them there, his interest in her is because he wants her to be in this ritual yeah. from the get-go. He wants her um, to be the fucking he's queen He's scouting them, but I'm going to take it 
maybe a step further and connect all of this somehow. I'm literally thinking of this now. This isn't from some fucking article I read or anything like okay. that. But this is why I love this movie because I can theorize now uh, almost a week after I've watched it, still coming up with ideas about it. But when the parents die in the beginning, I found it very telling, especially after watching Hereditary, that um, they were yellow. Their, the sheet that was over them was a bright yellow. The bed was a bright yellow. It was like very weirdly staged. And they looked like very weird... And the sister being crazy, it makes me think that someone to do with the ritual, someone to do with this, contacted the sister and drove her insane and caused the sister to kill yeah, the parents. Yeah, no, something um, I, I, I felt. I read a theory on Reddit about Is there that a theory well. on Reddit yeah, about it? Because yeah. I, it, it just like Hereditary, I'm, I'm going back and I'm like, something didn't feel right about any of that. And, and when you say, like, you know, what does this have to do with the rest of the movie? Like, maybe it does. And the fact that I can sit here and go, well, maybe it does, that's cool enough that I love this movie. And, and the fact that I can think about it at this level um, makes it worth something. I'm not sure what. It's not a movie I immediately want to buy and, and put in my collection and rewatch. I do want to see this director's cut. And I think that we will come circle back around to this when I have seen that and see what else is kind of revealed by that. I know you don't care very much because you didn't really like it, but um, I I can't wait to see it. It was just so fucking long. I just didn't feel that way. I thought it was great. Like I, I thought the pace was long. The only time that I was like, ugh, like it was like in the last third when most of the characters were still alive and they were sleeping there another night. And I was like, God damn, wow, where are we going here? Yeah. Um, but other than that, I we've watched movies on this podcast that I've wanted to seriously kill myself more than this. I mean, even Child's Play took me three or four watches to fully get through. Um, I watched it straight through at 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> well, that's your own fault. I don't think you would have done I, it that I, way I, if you had I, any I other had choice. A good time. <laughs> it's I, fine. I'm not saying you didn't. I'm, I'm just saying, like, you weren't given the option. Like, with this movie, I took a break, but I didn't have to because... I, with like any auteur filmmaker that comes out and starts making movies like this, whether it's Quentin Tarantino, whether it's any person that you name that comes out and has their own thing going on that no one's ever seen before, I just eat every fucking frame of it up. And and sometimes that director will do me wrong. Um, P.T. Anderson is a perfect example. I mean, I think The Master is, to, to mention that again, I, I, hate, I, I hate that movie. I absolutely hate it. Um, that movie was the squandering of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix in a movie about L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. It could have been the best fucking movie ever made. Yeah. The fact that it was like this boring, plodding, overlong, senseless, weird, non-metaphorical, but super literal. It was just like, it was ex- truly exhausting to watch yeah. that movie. And I didn't get that feeling from this, although I did get the feeling, like I said earlier, where it's a director who's like, okay, I'm going to kind of do my thing on this one and just kind of say fuck the audience because the audience is expecting him to come back with some fucking hereditary shit and just like M. Night who's like alright I'm gonna go make a comic book movie as my second as my second movie I give Ari Aster props for saying I'm not gonna do what everybody thinks I'm gonna do and freak out I'm just gonna hey man I gotta give it to him because Kevin Smith decided fuck what everyone thinks I'm gonna make whatever I feel like and we got yoga hosers but we also got Tusk yeah we got Tusk dude he posted something on uh 
about the reboot on his Facebook the other day, mm-hmm. and I read the comments. There was like a thousand comments, and the first like forty were like, "Love Kevin Smith, but Tusk is a real piece of shit." Yeah, people are so <laughs> bagging people on Tusk, dude. dude. To him, we should do Tusk next. He commented, season. "Get people, it, it, it get was, people." It was literally up. like it was like him like posting about like charity or something, and he's like Tusk. It's like Tusk fucking blue. <laughs> like, that guy can't catch a break. Dude. I mean, he also makes terrible movies, but <laughs> dude, Tusk he doesn't was, deserve that. Tusk was all great, dude. I wish they would. He would do that in a fucking tour, a double feature of that would, and reboot. Well, yeah, I would love to watch that movie again. I may do it tonight. It's on Netflix now. I saw it's on the top yeah. of Netflix. I saw Tusk. Yeah. Um. So since you are so Netflix. curious, my Golden Gun rating for this movie. Yeah. Oh my god, you really put me on the spot here. Um. <laughs> Okay, so I wrote a review to this movie on my blog that I have not released because I didn't want it to affect this conversation at all, yeah. where I gave it an 8.9. I'm gonna, Holy shit, I'm going to retract that. I'm going to give this movie an 8, I think, okay. at this point, because while it has become more interesting to me, it also has revealed you know, the missed opportunities that kind of could have been. It's just at the end of the day, you know, Ari Aster wanted to make me a salad, and I showed up wanting to eat a pizza. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? I, and a salad is still really good. It's really hearty. It's full of good elements. It's full of things that'll make you feel good. And when you think back on it, you'll think, I'm really glad I ate a salad, but I really wanted a pizza. Yeah. Um, so but you telling me eight months ago, you know, you fucking hated it, that helped me because I needed to hear like that it wasn't gonna be this fucking grandiose masterpiece that it looked like it was gonna yeah. be. It's more I mean, I didn't know it was gonna be a breakup movie. I didn't know it was gonna be a relationship yeah, movie from the trailers or anything like that. I thought it was gonna be a fucking balls out folk horror movie. Yeah. It wasn't. It was almost a satire of a folk horror yeah. movie. Um it had a lot of comedic elements. It had a lot of things that were interesting. But I will say to anyone listening to this podcast, of all the movies that we say like this is garbage, this is trash. I cannot in a, in any universe say that this is one of those movies. So if you want to be challenged, obviously from this conversation you can hear there's all sorts of ways to see this one. If you want to be challenged, watch for yourself and yeah. create an opinion. Don't just listen to us tell you yeah. what to fucking think yeah, all the time, Paulie. Fucking ass. <laughs> Make um, up your own fucking mind. If I, it's seven, it's a seven, you know? Dude. <laughs> um, I, I really feel like... If that whole first scene didn't happen, if that tone never existed within that movie in the first half, and then the movie was presented exactly as is, where if that first scene didn't exist, right, you would have no idea it's a horror movie till like I said, the forty nine minute mark. Everything that you'd be like, this is a drama. This is like a relationship yeah. drama. But and if, if then story. if then it's it the sh- the first major tonal shift was that cliff scene. I would have been like, this is fucking genius. And maybe that's what he was trying to do. Like, maybe he was like, ooh, now I'm going to show everybody. But at that point, I think a lot of the audience was already checking out. Because it's like fucking hour into the movie. Yeah. But again, if you're in for a slow burn, and if you know that it's a task, then, you know, there's lots to be had. There's lots to be enjoyed by this movie. Um, Again, I gave Hereditary a 10 out of 10. I still will stand by that to this day. It's it's like the Sixth Sense or any auspicious horror debut that just blows my doors off. But (laughs) this is not uh, quite on that level, but hell, I still really enjoyed it. So Yeah, good. And uh, I think that brings us to the end of the long, winding road full of mushrooms that is a midsummer Chucky Night's Dream. Dan. Chucky Nights Dan. Amid Dan's Chucky Nights Summer. Amid Nocturnal. A Somar Nights Chucky Hamill's Dream. Hamill's? Because of Mark Hamilton. Hamill. <laughs> Mark, Mark Hamilton? Hamilton? Boom. Spoo.
Boots. <laughs> no, Mark Hamill, um, star of Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Mark Hamilton. <laughs> Mark Hamilton, star of Star Wars: The Last Jedi, guitarist for it, Brothers Past. Yeah, that's like that uh, that joke in Super Bad where he's like quoting Bill Hader's quoting Yoda, mm-hmm. and then he goes, he goes, "Are you familiar with Yoda?" Yeah, from t- from Attack of the Clones, <laughs> <laughs> and I that's the hardest I laughed. I think it's the joke. funniest fucking <laughs> from Attack of the Clones, d- dude. It's, it's and they they're not even showing oh, him. God. He's saying it in like right. they're showing Michael Sarah's face during it. It's such a throwaway joke, and it makes me laugh so much. Okay, folks. Next episode is our season one finale. We're not going to spoil anything about it, but Whew. it's going to be a doozy. I'm going to watch two movies from a franchise that I have decided from day one i would never watch a fucking minute of no force on earth could get me to watch these fucking movies <laughs> until i started a garbage movie podcast and here the fuck i'm going with these so yeah um these are dan's favorite movies no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding uh have you seen have you seen the movies that we're gonna be watching you've seen both of them or like years ago or i don't remember which two we well i'm on. watching the first one because i have no preference okay. we're really going to review the second but i'm watching the first one because i have no fucking idea if you want to watch the first one too fine Whatever. Well, no i mean i were we going to do the reboot as well no no okay. we're just doing one and two on this one just one two. reboot will be in the Wait, sequel I, season Come i on, thought my whole fucking thing my here. whole fucking thing was that i don't want to rewatch the second one if, out of all of them Oh, the second one is the one we're doing, so enjoy yourself. All right, people, catch us next time when Dan kills himself. Love you. Bye.